Welcome back to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Brailists everywhere. And coming up this time... When engineering said, well, how about if we put bumpers? My response was the same as yours. I went, no, no, that would be horrible. You know, I saw the first model with the bumpers represented as, you know, molded ends. I said, oh, where's the bumper? And they said, well, that's it, your fingers are open. Focus Braille displays, the L Braille, and JAWS 2022. Freedom Scientific is perhaps best known for its popular JAWS screen reader, but it also manufactures the focus line of refreshable braille displays. The first generation of these well-known units was released in the early 2000s, and now the fifth generation is available in 14, 40 and 80 cell configurations, with the 40 cell version being an integral part of the L braille from Elita Group. To tell us more, I'm joined by a name that's very well known in the blind community, Ron Miller. Ron, welcome to Brailcast. Hi, Matthew. I'm really glad to be here, actually. It's the first for me, and it's it's an honor. Well, well, thank you very much. Um, I've deliberately not told people what your job title is or who you work for, because even after all this time, it's kind of got a bit confusing. Um, <laughs> I wonder if you could just uh, give us some clarity on that as best as you can. Yeah, I've changed hats. It actually happened way back in 2017, but people are still used to me being the blindness hardware product manager. I did that job for 17 years, and uh, I am now the blindness technology product specialist. Uh, I get to do some of the same stuff. I get to do the, the, the webcasts and webinars, and, and I get to do a lot of training and product demonstration, but there's, uh, in some senses, a lot less paperwork. <laughs> oh, well, that's brilliant. The specialist as opposed to a manager. That's uh that's that's very cool and um so and do you work for vispero or freedom scientific or like what's um what's going on it's a good question so vispero is the company that that acquired freedom scientific of course optelec uh abic some time ago um ai squared so names everybody knows and so i work for vispero freedom scientific is now a part of vispero uh it's it's a big uh, I, I'm not sure of the word, and I apologize. <laughs> like a conglomerate, I guess. Like, yeah, conglomerate, you could call it that, except for it's not a bunch of oil companies, right? But uh, it's a bunch of technology companies, though. So, yeah, all the companies are held and uh, owned by by Vespero. And uh, Freedom, Scient- Freedom Scientific is one of the brands that uh, they've kept alive and kept going. Um, of course, you know, uh, Window Eyes uh, was discontinued. We are we tried hard to roll a lot of those features into JAWS, and we still look at that, but you won't see the AI squared or the Window Eyes brand actually still uh, in use right now. And uh, you're a blindness product specialist, um, possibly because you're blind yourself. And I won't ask you to talk too much about your childhood or, or anything like that, but maybe just a, a potted history, because I think it could be quite interesting for people. So I was born two and a half months premature. I've got uh, what is now ROP. It's been a number of other things in the past, as you know, and uh, have no functional vision. Uh, when I was a child, uh, I had some vision in one eye. So I've got you know color memory and uh, memories of stuff from the 1960s. And uh, that went pretty quickly, though. And I'm down to basically no light perception at all unless I walk into bright sunshine. Been a Braille reader since... Uh, probably age six when they started me on it and have, have used it all the time. I, I, I am a, a, a confirmed uh, Brailleister, if you will, and um, uh, started mobility, came O&M back when I was uh, eight years old, which at the time wasn't done. They, they, at least in the U.S., back when I was a child, they'd start people learning cane travel when they were in high school. But we moved aboard a sailboat, and uh, my parents didn't want me just sitting around on the boat, so I had to learn how to use a cane so I wouldn't walk off the edges of the dock (laughs) and into the water. So that's a little bit of a different kind of story. Uh, My my introduction to refreshable Braille and access technology really didn't happen until uh, almost before I came to work for Freedom uh, back in the day. Uh, I I, uh, had was was candidating to to get a job as a travel agent and they were using computers and needed braille and so that was my introduction with a power braille and um, oh, uh, windows apps that were travel oriented um, and from there through some steps i ended up being hired i was interviewed by blazy prior to the merger um, a number of blazy employees including brian blazy and some others 
And then the merger happened and there was this long silence from Blazy Engineering. They interviewed me in February, expressed interest, said they were going to make a job offer. And then February came and went and March came and went and April was in process and I hadn't heard anything from anybody. So I kind of thought, well, they just don't want to tell me they don't want me. And what I didn't know was in that time period in 2000 is when this was the, the actual merger when Blazy Engineering and Arkenstone and Hunter Joyce were, were acquired and became Freedom Scientific. Uh, that was all going on. I just had no clue. And so I called and they said, oh yeah, just wait. And so May of, of 2000, they finally brought me on board. We moved from Oklahoma across country <laughs> with, with a U-Haul, a car and six cats uh, to Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I remember the merger. Well, I don't really remember the merger, but I remember hearing about the merger and there's this archive material of when that merger was announced and it was um, it was kind of a big deal. And um, I never really thought about somebody you know, applying for a job during the merger. And what had you been doing before then? You were talking about travel agencies and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's quite a jump from being a travel agent to being a blindness technology specialist. Yes, I... I actually got my degree in counseling, uh, a bachelor's degree, and discovered that having a bachelor's degree in counseling psychology was sort of like having a pre-med degree. You kind of knew what you didn't know. And uh, the opportunities for me working in uh, House for Troubled Youth or in the prison system, I, I didn't think I could manage 40 troubled youth at once as a blind guy. I know there are some who take it on and do quite well, but I didn't think I'd do so well in that. And my interest in working in the prison system, I was sort of interested, but they had other requirements that I just couldn't meet. They wanted, they would take my bachelor's degree, but wanted two or three years of experience, and I could never make that. So, you know how it goes looking for jobs. You look for what you can, you take what you can. And I had the opportunity to begin to work as a, as a travel agent. Um, so I was doing that. Uh, and then I, I began to be, I was a, a telephone operator at Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma. I switched, it, it paid better and stuff. So, and uh, in process, I was talking to Blazy Engineering, had a bad braille cell on my braille light, and we were going back and forth on getting that repaired. I incidentally helped them to resolve a an issue they had with the braille light and that whole line of braille displays, the braille and speak, uh, at the time would scramble your folder system and they couldn't figure out why. And I had figured out why and had complained about it. And, you know, the, the response, which I now give people as well, you know, give me a description on how you break it and, and let us know. So I sat down and wrote a uh, step-by-step on how to, how to break it and uh, what I did. And they uh, were able to fix the problem. So uh, in, in the process of all of this, um, I discovered there was a job opening for uh, their uh, tech support manager for Blazy Tech Support. And that's actually where I came aboard because I knew the products really well, uh, the Blazy engineering products. I had phone center experience and stuff, doing travel agency and all this other thing. So that's how I came aboard was at the, as, a, as, a, as the tech support manager for Blazy Engineering's products, which is a much, much smaller scope of products than we have now, of course. Moved from there to quality assurance um, coordinator and then into uh, product management, and then finally as a, a technology specialist. So it's been a long road and kind of uh, some zigzags in, in between. So you look after the Braille displays. You also look after the Pearl camera. Yeah, is there anything yeah, else? And JAWS, where JAWS pertains to Braille. I, I, I touch on all the Braille stuff. And you, you said earlier that I have this per- position perhaps because I'm blind. And there's a lot of truth in that. But the thing that I have brought to the table um, you know, after doing Blazy engineering stuff, when I moved into product management and then into this position, is my my knowledge of our products and specifically our blindness products, um, and even more specifically where they pertain to Braille and Braille usage. So, if it touches on refreshable Braille, uh, whether it's uh, my my piece in in the L the L Braille note taker, that is Alita's product. I'm very very familiar with it because it's running Jaws and JAWS Braille in. So I, I work very closely with Adi Kushner, who's their product manager and a great guy, by the way. And also in our, our refreshable Braille displays, I started back in 2002 with that first generation focus Braille display that you mentioned. I wrote the first test suite for that um, and just you know got to know that because at the time I was the, the quality assurance coordinator. So yeah, my, my, my my knowledge and expertise of Braille, Braille reading, and then usage of refreshable Braille products, 
and JAWS, where it pertains to Braille, really comes into play. So let's talk about some of the products that you manage. And in particular, I think the product that probably people want to hear about the most is the focus line of Braille displays, because certainly over here in the UK, when you do an access to work uh, application or a DSA, Disabled Students Allowance application, and you say you want a Braille display, focus is kind of the de facto standard. This is what you get. You get given a focus or a brilliant, but more often than not a focus. So let's let's talk about it. I mean, if you had to give an elevator pitch for the focus displays at the moment, what would your elevator pitch be? It would be that the focus is available in 14, 40, and 80 Braille cell versions. And one of its biggest strengths, our, our Braille is very good on the focus. and We've tried very hard to maintain the quality of the Braille. Um, uh, we, we have pins that have a nice rounded hemispherical top, the nice space circumference, all those sorts of things. So good feeling Braille, the unit is very rugged. And we aimed at the education market when we did that. It's all metal housed and everything. Um, we've worked on the Braille cells to be more shock resistant, both electrically and mechanically. So the Focus Braille display is a rugged Braille display. Um, it uh, has very good Braille. It's got long battery life. And we talk about the scratch pad. Now, the, the units coming out now have a lot more features. It's almost as if we're reinventing the Braille light in a lot of instances. And we haven't taken that path with the fifth generation focus. We do have a scratch pad. It's, a, it's intended to be sort of your pen and paper replacement. So you have a way to jot notes down quickly, and yet you can connect it to a PC or to a smart device that supports it. Absolutely. So that's brilliant. So we should perhaps um, just back up slightly. The the Braille quality that we're talking about and quite a lot of these things, these are new almost, I would say, to the fifth generation. So anybody who's seen a Focus, you know, fourth or even third or or what have you, um, yeah, the, the Braille is, is definitely improved on those, would you say? We've we've raised what's called the blocking force, the, the resistance to, of the pins to being pressed down. Um, if you if you go back and look at our displays, if you if you could line them all up from the first generation all the way to the fifth, there would be some similarities that you find. The dots have a really nice shape. We've been very uh, meticulous on maintaining dot shape, and that's from from the time that we had our displays manufactured by a third party till when we began to manufacture our own uh, dot height, dot shape, the circumference of those dots to give you that nice hemispherical braille. We try to we try to feel like what you would find on um, the braille a Perkins braille writer would make. I know that there's all kinds of different braille now because various embossers produce some braille that feels a little more pointed on top and it's lower profile. Uh, some are more uh, what I consider a nice rounded feel, a little higher, a little firmer. We really try to shoot for that that, that rounded. Uh, braille dots and we've really tried to get the dot firmness to where it, it's good to read you know and the, the the ruggedness is the other thing that really struck me i am, am a latecomer to this i only saw a focus 40 not that long ago probably sort of july august time this year and um and and i was amazed because they've got these bumpers and when somebody first said bumper i was expecting this great big rubber thing on you know on each end you know it's really you know unsightly thing but it, it isn't it kind of looks like a set of rack ears doesn't it and the, the cables kind of go underneath the bumpers so they're not actually as unsightly as the term bumper might suggest but you're totally right yes they do remind me of, of rack mount ears that's totally right uh, as, a, as a ham operator and a guy doing those kinds of things you, you see you know, comms gear with those kind of little edges. I'll, I'll tell you, at the time the Focus was in development and all the Focus displays, I was a product manager. I was the blindness hardware product manager. And um, when engineering said, well, how about if we put bumpers? My response was the same as yours. I went, no, no, that would be horrible. And they had to kind of calm me down and, <laughs> and describe this thing. And, uh, you know, I saw the first uh, they, they make models out of this plastic whose name escapes me right this moment. And, you know, I saw the first model with the bumpers represented as, you know, molded ends. And I said, oh, it, where's the bumper? And they said, well, that's it. Your fingers are on it. You know, this is how it's going to work. And, you know, as we kind of massage this idea and got it into where you, you have that rubber part that sort of collapses. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty elegant and they, they do the job uh, and they are not big giant rubber bumpers, which I also envisioned when we first had this conversation. When we had this conversation um, and we began to talk about the rugged Braille display, I said, look, 
we're getting you know feedback from from schools or having to send units back their stuff's being dropped it's it's having a hard time and i said when i think about this i envision what a young a 12 year old ron miller would do to these braille displays and one of the things i would have done if i was carrying a backpack and i had a braille display i would not have zipped open my backpack and eased that display down as it's sitting on a concrete or tile floor i would have opened the backpack put one end into the top and let it go and it would have dropped to the bottom, right? And so the bumpers are a, a direct response to that thought. You know, let's let's let something besides the actual physical end of that display slam into that hard tile floor. And so the bumpers kind of absorb that impact and 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 uh, make it less. And the case that we supply to carry, if you ever feel that case, the ends of that case extend a little further out than the bumpers, not much, just a tiny bit. And they have that hardened plastic kind of rim around them and then the padded case to even further absorb that impact. And um, the other thing, there's so many controls. <laughs> I've never seen a Braille display, I don't think, with, with so many controls. And perhaps um, perhaps you ought not to talk about what every single control on the display does. But, I mean, it, it feels like some care has been taken to make sure that those controls and indeed the sound uh, of the display are, are not too noisy. They don't click too much in my experience. We've tried hard to, to give you good tactile feedback and a little bit of sound, but not a lot of sound. We don't want a device. Uh, if you're in a room, a quiet room in church, in a meeting, in class, you don't want it rattling away. So we, we worked very hard for that. And of course, the acid test is if you're laying with your significant other and you're reading a book at two in the morning, you don't want your significant other to wake up and go, if you're going to read, you need to go into the living room. So we uh, we want it to be nice and quiet. That's absolutely true. There are a lot of controls, if you will, on this display. And we did them to try and really accommodate people whose usage style may be a little different. So for example, and I won't list every single one. That would be tedious, wouldn't it? At either end of the Braille line is the nav rocker. It's those little rocker buttons, one at each end. And those are programmable by pressing the little round button above the rocker button so that each one can be set to let you move your display, to move your focus uh, in JAWS at least by line, sentence, paragraph, or by panning, by display length. Now that changes. You understand that the, the screen reader really dictates what those controls were, would, will do, but that was our intent when we developed it and that's how it works with JAWS. In the, in the iOS world and in the Android world, uh, those things are different because uh, Apple development and the Android accessibility team, they actually map those keys. But for JAWS and, and NVDA, of course, the same, they map, they do the key mapping. But for JAWS, the intent is to, to depending on the size of your hands and how you reach, to give you the, the ability to, to use it as comfortably as possible. So you can set those nav rockers to move by line, sentence, paragraph, or to pan. Each one is set individually. And I'll tell you what I really like about the rockers, Matthew, is you can hold one down and it will repeat function. So I've got one nav rocker on, on my personal unit set to, to pan through the display, the other one to move by paragraphs so that I can keep one hand on the display and skim down through a document if I'm looking for something quickly, just read the first couple of words, let it stand on my fingers. If I'm in a list, it's an alphabetical list, and I, I'm not quite sure how something is spelled, but I want to find it. I can park my fingers on that list, put the display into list mode. Actually, JAWS goes into list mode. And again, hold that nav rocker down and it just, you know, quickly moves up and down through that list. So those kind of things. Uh, on the front are the two rocker bars, which will move you up and down by line. Or you can use the Braille keyboard and use dot one chord, dot one with space or dot four with space, dot four chord to move by line. And at either end are the two uh, panning buttons. So those, those six controls, the nav rockers, the rocker bars on the front and the panning buttons sort of duplicate each other's functions. And then of course the keyboard on top um, so that you can, you know, people with big hands, little hands and you know different degrees of mobility. Sometimes you don't wanna bend your wrist to do things. Um, you have those abilities and it, it actually is fairly easy to remember the function because it's they're all repetitious actions, things you're going to do over and over and over again. Um, just very briefly, we've talked about, uh, or you've talked about the fact that they have a Perkins keyboard. Um, all of them have the Perkins keyboard, including the 80 cell. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. And um, you've also talked about iOS and Android, and that suggests 
Bluetooth connectivity. So uh, um, how many Bluetooth devices and what's the process of switching between devices like? All of the focus Braille displays will connect up to five Bluetooth devices and one USB device. And you can switch between all six connections, any, any of those which are active. The process for switching, we've kept as simple as possible. We don't want you to have to go down into a connections menu or anything like that. So in between dots one and four on the Braille keyboard is the menu button. And it's, it's sort of a horizontally oriented button. Uh, you might call it a very elongated elliptical shape or something, but uh, it's in between dots one and four. And if you press and hold the menu button you, through five, which correspond to the five available Bluetooth slots, let's call them, and then menu button plus dot eight will move you to the USB uh, connection. So, for example, my phone in the background here indicated I had a text message. So it wakes up, it'll find my Braille display because iOS Devices will do that. They'll find your display if it's turned on and grab it. And if I'm, let's say I'm working with my PC, which is, which is connected via USB, my phone has indicated I've got a message. I'll just tap menu and dot one and release, and I'm immediately switched to the Bluetooth connection that's looking at the phone. That's brilliant. So yeah, menu plus dots one to five, and then menu plus dot eight for... Um for USB, which is brilliant. And USB, I should stress, is USB-C on these latest focus displays. It is USB-C, that's right. And I finally had an opportunity to play with USB-C. It works great. I've got a Chromebook at home. I'm learning my way around the Chromebook environment. And uh, it works very well with the focus display. And it, I had to go and, and acquire a, a USB-C cable. It's USB-C on both ends. I'm so used to seeing the A on one end and C on the other. So yeah, we've changed that. And we actually changed the USB-C connector. If anybody uh, attaches that connector to their focus, they may notice there's kind of a, a springiness if you wobble it up and down, wiggle it up and down a little bit. Uh, and it, if, you, if you push it, it'll, it'll actually deflect up or deflect down. And if you release it, it'll return to center. And we did that because uh, people were, were, were having a problem getting that connector in We'd have units return with them broken, or in school settings, uh, they'd be they'd have a unit on a desk and set a stack of braille books on top of the cable, and bend it or, or whatever they would sit on. And I never really asked them what. I'm always guessing it's books or the edge of a Perkins brailler or something. And so this connector is actually on a flexible circuit board. They actually found one that would flex. And so if you bring that connector in and you come in at a slight angle. Uh, you know, you're plugging your cable into the slight angle instead of coming in straight. The connector will actually move and accommodate that. And then when you have it plugged in and release it, it returns to center. So it's a little bit more robust and a little less prone to breakage. I'd like to talk a bit about the scratch pad, um, which is probably the, uh, apart from all of the ruggedness, is probably the, the feature that people are most interested in about the Focus 5th Gen. It really is a scratch pad, isn't it? What file formats is it dealing with? That's a good question because we just had a firmware release in October. So Scratchpad has changed a little bit, not, not hugely, not sweeping changes, but some important changes. The Scratchpad right now will let you compose and edit documents in our proprietary format. Just it's, it's, it's FNZ or FNZ if you prefer, uh, which we did for freedom notes, <laughs> ending with the Z sound, notes. So FNZ, we had to come up with, with something uh, as an extension. And that extension is, or has been the, the, the primary uh, format that Scratchpad works with because it doesn't, it being Scratchpad, doesn't try to interpret or translate Braille. It literally will let you enter text in any Braille type format code, anything you want. And it literally is storing your keystrokes in that FNZ file. So uh, if somebody wishes to use contracted Braille or uncontracted Braille or Nemeth or whatever, the, the Scratchpad doesn't care. It literally is just remembering what keystrokes you input. And if you read through that file, it looks at those keystrokes and raises the, the correct dots. Now with our new release, you can also open up uh, text files, .txt files. And um, read those and edit those. They will be in computer Braille, though. There's no forward and back translation uh, even to display in Braille. So uh, a lot of people are comfortable with computer Braille. I have folks who never bother with contracted Braille. And I'm told in Europe, quite often, uh, computer Braille is all that's used. 
Um, so you can take a text file and, um, and edit that and read that. And then also uh, braille ready format files, .brf files, which you see a lot in the US, I think in other English speaking countries, um, you can now open and read those. You can edit them. It will not, I must stress, it will not back translate those files for you. So if you're going to do something like that, you've got to stay in the BRF format, but it will, it will let you take, I believe RNIB has got a way for you to download uh, uh, formatted Braille, doesn't it, Matthew? We have indeed. And here in the US, we've got the, uh, the National Library Service. So you can now download a Braille book and that's been around for a while. You can download a Braille book file and read it. The new change is that you can now edit uh, in that format as well. So I was going to come on to this. You're talking about downloading BRF files. Um, how does that work? Does the Focus have built-in storage or external storage? And how do you copy files to it? And what does that process look like? Storage actually is a, a micro SD card. We ship each unit with an eight gigabyte card, which will hold a lot of Braille books. But if somebody wants more space, they can they can use up to a 32 gigabyte card. And the the files can be brought to the scratch pad in a couple of ways. Um, for me, the more fiddly way to do it is to remove the micro SD card and put it into a computer and actually just move the files just like you would onto any other card. And I say it's fiddly only because a micro SD card is smaller than my fingernail. So the, the option of that, that spring-loaded uh, mechanism in the reader to pop the card out and then my fumbling it, it falls onto a carpet and <laughs> I spend time crawling around looking for it uh, could potentially be frustrating, though a lot of people do it and I have done it too. Um, the other way, of course, is you can put the, the focus into a mode where it looks like uh, any other storage device and you can just move your files across uh, using File Explorer uh, and, and it will just, you would move it into the, uh, the either the notes folder or the books folder and, and there they would be. Do we need to worry about special formatting of that card? Does it have to be FAT32 or NTFS or you know anything like that? Ooh, that's a test question. I always have to look it up. I believe it is FAT32. Double check me, go look at the documentation because I always have to look that up when somebody asks me. I think it's FAT32. We'll look it up. We'll put it in the show notes. I think you're probably right. It's not likely to be um, NTFS, but it's uh, it's a question that's worth asking because someone will get an NTFS formatted card and put it in and it won't work and they'll come to technical support and wonder why. And and, and the, the thing will throw a message that says no card. So yeah, it's a great question. I just don't have a great answer. Um, the new firmware update. Um, this is, is quite exciting, a new firmware update. What else is new? I'll tell you, the noteworthy ones that people have been requesting for a while, we've added one-handed mode to the unit. And that was a lot of discussion back and forth. You know, we, we had talked about perhaps JAWS uh, acquiring a one-handed mode uh, or how that was going to be. But the decision was made, uh, and this is just within the, uh, the, the time of our, our current product manager is Mr. Rick Popovitz, who's been with us for a few years. He, of course, when I moved to, I switched hats, um, you know, Braille was left in his hands and I, I get to come alongside a lot and uh, we we put our heads together on a lot of this stuff just because I've, I've been doing it for such a long time but we decided let's put one-handed mode into the unit where it probably should be uh, that way no matter what screen reader you're working with you'll have one-handed mode available so that's a big change I understand we all understand there's not a lot of people who use one-handed mode they, they can normally use both hands but there are there are individuals who need this in order to Braille. And we've gotten a steady request for this even since the early 2000s. We've taken forever to introduce it. And it's it's not like there are scores and scores and scores of people asking, but there are a number of people and they want it and they need it. So they're persistent and that's a good thing. We've also uh, offered the ability to hide the cursor. So uh, if you want to read a book and you don't want that blinking cursor there bothering you, you can make that disappear. But you can also make it disappear when you're editing and anytime you tap a cursor router, uh, that cursor will appear momentarily. So you can say, where are you? And there it will be. And so you can see it, you can locate it, and then it will go away again. Now, I don't know about RNIB, Matthew, but I know here in the US, uh, National Library Service, and I believe also Bookshare.org, all of their formatted Braille includes dot seven in all the characters. Yes, all of the letters, doesn't it? All the letters. All the le all every, yeah. Some of the contractions, you're okay. I've not seen a contraction without it either, but I'm sure you're right. Um, 
And I am told that is because to drive a number of embossers, they need that dot seven present. I don't know why. I wish they didn't. So one of the things we've added is the, abil the ability to hide dot seven and eight. So you can make that go away. A forest of dot sevens doesn't make a, a pleasant reading experience, at least for me. And the other thing is, uh, it's actually a feature we had. It was removed by request uh, from a lot of readers in Europe. Uh, we had word wrap and uh, a lot of folks who are reading in computer Braille and their, their native language in Braille, uh, the words tend to be longer. They don't want word wrap. They'd rather see the words broken and just move straight to the next line. Um, we've brought word wrap back. And to explain to anybody who doesn't know, word wrap is a feature that, if you will, uh, looks at the text and looks at how much, uh, how many cells are left on a Braille display uh, after a word. And if the next word in the text is going to be longer than the available number of cells, you just don't see that word until you pan the Braille display. So that way the word is not broken in the middle. Um, you've got a long word, I don't know, disenfranchise. I have no idea, constitution, just some big word. Um, if you can only see the first five or six uh, characters in, in a word, and then it, it wraps to the next line, that can be confusing. So with word wrap on, you just will have blank cells where that word would be. You'll pan and the new line, the new pan line anyways, begins with that word. Um, so we've brought word wrap back and it's it's been in demand for quite a while. Uh, we have a lot of folks, at least in the US and, and some other countries tell us without word wrap, they, they don't find the scratch pad is useful. So it's back, it's back by demand. It is a toggle command and we've added a new menu. If, you, if you're in scratch pad, you tap the menu button, you'll see several menus, there's file, edit, export, and then advanced, and then help. So we've added the advanced menu. The advanced menu is new and it contains a lot of these and they're all toggle commands. Word wrap is a toggle, um, hide dot seven and eight is a toggle, hide cursor is a toggle. And the final one that's a toggle in that menu is reverse panning buttons. So it's as it's labeled in the menu, reverse panning. And reverse panning means that when you're using those panning buttons at the left or right, front of the display, we have a, a double left arrow and a double right arrow respectively. Uh, if you wish to read and then have your hand come back to the beginning of the line, especially if you're reading two-handed braille, your left hand goes to the middle, your right hand picks up the reading. So your left hand returns to the left waiting for you to come to the end of the line and start the next line. Your thumb very likely will fall right on that pan left button, that back pan button. If you tap that, with reverse panning turned on, it will actually pan you forward through the file. And a lot of people really like that. And of course the right hand button would now pan you back instead of forward. Um, I just wanted to return back to WordRap for a second because it, it it made me think of a question that I should have asked a bit earlier on. 14, 40 and 80 cells, um, those are quite radically different configurations. And I can see, for example, uh, WordRap actually being probably more useful on a 40 or an 80, but you might want to turn it off on a 14 because 14 is not a huge number of cells. It is not. And I, this is where you, you put up the, uh, the, the big dramatic music where I say, this, this is my opinion, uh, not endorsed by, uh, by you guys or by the Sparrow. This is just me, right? <laughs> I prefer 40 cells or more. I find that reading on a 14 cell display um, is, is annoying simply because you only get a few words. Even in contracted Braille, I guess if you had all one and two cell word signs in a sentence, you'd get a number of words. But I like a little more cells. 80 is a bit cumbersome to carry on the bus, but 40 seems to work well. But you're right. You might want to turn word wrap off with 14 cells. The, the, the danger, if you will, um, and it's one I ran into. Um, uh, I, I, there was a, I forget where I was reading. Bible, I think, Book of Proverbs or something. And the word paid, P-A-I-D appeared. And it, it invariably, as I was reading through, it would get split up. And I, I couldn't figure out why, who made the mistake and put people do in the midst of a sentence where it made no sense whatsoever. And it literally wrapped right on paid. And I finally, you know, it's one of those smack your forehead moments. Oh, it's paid, right? But I, I couldn't figure out why people do, people do. And I, I sat and looked at that. So that's the danger if you use word wrap and contracted Braille. But yes, with 14 cells, you might want to let it uh, not wrap that text. 
So um, with a firmware update comes having to actually update the display and um, people will be, uh, there'll be a knot in some people's stomachs when they hear about this because they're not particularly, you know, technically savvy or anything. Um, could you give them any reassurance as to how straightforward that firmware update process is? It's very straightforward. The only thing you do not want to do is don't, don't disconnect the USB cable when you're doing the update process, okay? Because there is a time, and you'll know when it's happening because the Braille display, all the dots kind of just go down and it's, it's as if it's turned off, but it's not. There is that critical few moments where the old firmware is being overwritten by the new firmware. So when, when the Braille dots are all down and you know it's kind of doing things by itself, don't disconnect the USB cable. That's the only way you can hurt it, okay? If you disconnect the USB cable at the wrong time, you've created a beautiful doorstop, okay? <laughs> or a paperweight. And you'd have to send it in and we would, we would be able to reflash it for you. But that's the only thing you can do. You can't hurt it when you're trying to update it uh, unless you pull the cable out. Uh, when you go to our website, there is a step-by-step uh, process written for you. It literally will walk you through, tell you all the keystrokes you need and everything. It's it's very clear. It's very straightforward. Um, do you need a Windows computer to do it? You will need a Windows computer. And I, I know there's a desire for, for Mac and even some of the newer ways of updating. Um, there's not a Mac installer at this moment. Um, and I think our software folks are running pretty hard with what they're doing. So I don't know, you know, when one might come. So yes, at this time, you'll need a Windows computer to, to do that update. That's a great question. Thanks for, for doing that. So that's a very comprehensive overview of the focus line of Braille displays. And uh, we'll give information about where to purchase them at the end of the podcast, but it's from Sight and Sound Technology here in the UK and indeed in Ireland. As I said in the introduction, the focus displays are an integral part of the L Braille. Um, but there's a bit of confusion, I think, about um, the L Braille and, and what's where, because there's an L Braille 14 and there's an L Braille 40. And um, I wonder, Ron, if you could just give us a bit of clarity about what is current and, and what is historical. I'd be glad to do that. The L Braille 14 was actually the first one released. It came out a number of years ago now. And then there was a follow-on unit that was a, an L-Braille 40. That was a device that did not actually dock the Braille display into the unit. Uh, to, to have an L-Braille 40, it was actually a, a merger, merger, a merging, a melding of the Focus 40 Braille display, the fourth generation at the time, and the, uh, the current L-Braille at the time. A great looking device. I still have one that I refer back to in case customers need some assistance with them. Um, I love the, the design. If you ever have a chance, Matthew, to, to, to get your hands on one, I think you'll, you'll agree. They did a neat job in how they brought those two pieces of kit together and made them one device. Um, so those two are the original L-Braille, if you will. Those used a PC stick, like you saw on a lot of the tablets and little tiny uh, uh, notebooks or netbooks, I believe they were at the time. Um, and they are 32-bit architecture. So they run Windows 32. It is Windows 10 and it is JAWS. They're just 32-bit Windows. The, the next version, the next iteration of the L-Braille is another L-Braille 40. And it uses the newer fifth generation Braille display, the, the Focus fifth generation. And that actually sits down in a, a well, a space made for it and locks into place and that's the, the new L Braille. Uh, it is only available as a 40 cell device using that uh, Focus 45th generation. And it runs 64 bit Windows. So it runs the, the new current version of Windows. Does that clear things up, you think? I think it does. And it leads very nicely on to my next question because you just said that the L Braille is running Windows 10. And of course, Windows 11 has just been released. So what's the state of play there? Ah. Adi Kushner and his development team are working right now. They're almost ready to release a new image. The L-Braille uh, will work fine with Windows 11, but, but, and I, I stress this very strongly, we, we, we uh, urge owners of the uh, L-Braille 40 not to simply go and download the, the new Windows image because, of course, uh, installing the new Windows image will wipe out everything that's on the unit. So you'll lose all of the elements that make it an L Braille. You'll lose JAWS, 
you'll lose the mapping for the, the E keys at the top, uh, across the top of the unit. You'll lose all of those things, all of the firmware that, that makes it an L Braille. Um, it would still come up. You could still run JAWS and you would have your regular JAWS and Braille support for that focus, which is docked in there, uh, but the rest would be gone. So what, what Alita is doing is providing an image which is Windows 11 and all of the other files that the L Braille needs to be in L Braille. And they will release that and there'll be an update process. And there'll be instructions on how to do that so that anybody who wishes can transition from Windows 10 to Windows 11. Now the, the, the downside, uh, just like installing Windows 11 through the Microsoft's download version, um, their provided version, you're going to lose everything on your unit. So remember, back up your files, um, I routinely save all of my stuff to, to OneDrive. You could save it to an SD card, whatever you want to do. Remember, your, your LBraille 40 takes up to a one terabyte SD card if you can find one and have enough <laughs> to pay for something that big. But uh, you'll want to back up all your files. And then you, you would run the, uh, the image. And it's, it's automated once you start that process. It goes, it runs, it installs both Windows and then all the JAWS files all the elements it needs for the E keys and other things. And then it will finally boot to the desktop and you've got, uh, you've got an L Braille up and ready to go. The last thing you'll have to do is, is uh, reauthorize JAWS because it will come up in 40 minute mode since it will not know that it ever ran. So don't update in place because you can't. Don't download the image from Microsoft, but there will be an image from Alita Group that you can use uh, to upgrade to Windows 11 at some point not too far off in the future. And um, just for absolute clarity, how many L Brails will this work on? I'm guessing it won't work on the old 32-bit original L Braille 14 and 40. You're absolutely right. It'll work on only one version, the current L Braille 40. The L Braille 14 and L Braille 40, the older ones, which are running 32-bit Windows, it won't work on. Microsoft has not provided Windows 11 for 32-bit devices. So if you... If you have an L Braille uh, with the older units, it's not going to, uh, to install. And you'll know you'll have it with the older ones because you'll have the older Focus 14 that you have to dock, uh, or you'll have the one with the integrated 40 cell Braille display. And neither of those, I'm afraid, will be able to update simply because there's not an update available. The last thing I wanted to talk about on this podcast uh, was JAWS 2022. Again, um, albeit very briefly, um, but there's been some new features for Braille in JAWS 2022, which people have been asking for for a long time. And I didn't know if you wanted to elaborate just a little bit on what those features are. Well, the big one, let's at least talk about this one briefly. Uh, there's a new way to do language profiles for Braille. Uh, and I won't get very deeply into it. And, and frankly, it's because I don't read uh, a lot of other languages in Braille. I can I can kind of work my way through Spanish and that's about as far as I get. But for, for folks who are, are always constantly switching back and forth between languages, um, we've now made a way for you to set up a profile, have uh, several profiles available that you can invoke and switch basically on the fly between uh, your primary language and another language, another Braille language, uh, without having to go into setting center, without having to do anything like that. It just, it, once you've set up your profile, you would change it uh, sort of like you would change voice profiles, if that makes sense. Um, it gives you that flexibility. Um, so that's that's well worth checking out. Brilliant. And it's, it's working very well. It, it relies on the document having the appropriate language switching um, codes in it. So if you're reading French, but the document isn't in French, then um, it might struggle. But if the document is, is marked up properly with the right languages, if your speech is changing language on the fly, then your Braille should also changed language on the fly. And some people, uh, you know, in talking to people, a lot of folks will do this kind of thing with speech turned off. They don't want to mess with it, um, but they do want to switch their Braille languages. The other one, and you mentioned markup, the other one is, uh, this one actually is in the 2022 release, but for uh, for those who are reading Nemeth Braille, which is just one of the maths codes, um, in Microsoft Word now, uh, JAWS will recognize uh, words math markup and let you look at that in the math viewer. So that's pretty handy. And for those who, again, are using Nemeth Braille, uh, we now have the, the Braille math editor. When you're in Word, you can invoke that and enter text using the, the math code, the Nemeth code, 
and JAWS will back translate it for you line by line and drop it into Word. And what I really like about this is it's not using abbreviations, not parent for parentheses or anything like that. It actually will use math markup. So an instructor, a colleague, whomever needs to see uh, math work that you're showing will actually see that correctly, written correctly. And that uh, that's a step that's been a long time coming. And I do believe also, if you're not going to, to drop it into math, you can paste it into other places. I believe it'll do uh, LaTeX as well. Though again, double check me on the documentation on that. Yeah, we will absolutely do that. And uh, LiveLouis been updated. Yes, we finally we've we've moved up to a newer version, three point one nine. You're 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 bang up to date with a different hat on, uh, working with our Braille Authority over here, the the UK Association for Accessible Formats. I'll get inquiries that will say my screen reader is not co- contracting this word properly, and you have to sort of go well. Um, if you upgrade your screen reader, it will because we have fixed it. It's just taking its time to sort of you know get through the uh the the sphere of technology so to keep liblui up to date is a real passion of mine so i was really pleased when 2022 was up to date well you're right as rain it's very important the downside of course in in using something external we always we used to have jaws braille tables you probably remember those and we would control that the downside to using liblui of course is if there is an issue then we've got to go to them and say this is an issue you need to fix it but they're very responsive, and it, it does make for a uniform platform across a lot of different uh, screen readers. Absolutely. And there's a ch- uh, James Bowden, who listeners of this podcast will be very familiar with, is doing hours and hours of work, um, you know, constantly fixing Liblui errors. So I would highly recommend if you're using an earlier version of JAWS and you're having translation issues, then, uh, yeah, upgrade to 2022 because a lot of them will be fixed. A lot of things get fixed, and it's it's much less uh, frustrating. I know if you're if you're editing text, uh, I think of of folks that are deafblind specifically, but also just people like me. I like to to look at what I'm doing. I do a lot of Braille input, of course, if I'm using the L Braille, which I use. Uh, I tell people jokingly, but but truthfully, it, I don't take it to the beach or into the shower, but almost everywhere else. So, you know, you want to have uh, your your contracted Braille to to actually uh, forward and back translate correctly, it can be a real source of frustration if it doesn't. So I'm very glad they're working so hard to keep Liblui updated and, and to, to squash the bugs as they appear. Well, Ron, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for spending uh, so much time in conversation with me today. I'm sure there's lots of things that we've talked about that listeners will want more information about. Where can people find more information if they want to find it? Uh, they can check out a couple of places, uh, freedomscientific.com slash training will get you to our training pages. And there is just a wealth of information on whether it's Braille or JAWS. And uh, there is a link to all of our archived webinars. And on the, the training webinars, what I really like about them, other than that they're just good and our, our training department's very, very good, uh, is the, the training webinars, say if you're looking at uh, something about Oh, I, let's say Microsoft Word. Not only is there the, the the webinar audio archive, but there's usually an HTML document that gives you keystrokes and other reference information. So uh, kind of neat takeaways on that. Um, so that's where you can find that stuff on our pages. Uh, and I know that there's been some others, Alita Group, uh, you know, we've done some L Braille oriented webcasts. I don't have a good address for those. And then acb.org, the American Council of the Blind. We've done a number of webinars on their uh, um, ACB community uh, webinars or webcasts where we've talked about Braille. We've talked about all kinds of subjects. I I tend to be there about once a month or so talking on something that's Braille related. So uh, you could check there as well. And of course, we'll put links to all of those in the show notes. And the beauty of those is that we really do, or you really do focus in on a particular topic and there's usually demonstrations you know there was one braille on ios and we actually heard the braille display paired up to the ios device so you could really hear as you were pressing each button what that did yeah that was fun i actually got to cable my phone into my audio source and get a little bit geeky trying to set that up so <laughs> yeah there's some there's some neat things we've done we did one on on selecting and editing text using braille um, now, I will warn you, there's not a lot to hear besides Ron monologuing because the Braille display doesn't have any, there's no speech component if you're using Braille. Um, I did have speech on so you could hear some of the changes, but 
yeah, we've done a lot of, of very specific topics and I, I plan on doing some more in the future. I don't want to tip my hand um, because uh, scheduling will depend on how quickly I can assemble my notes and get things ready. But I've got some some more broil related stuff coming up in the future, in the near future. Well, that's really exciting. And um, we look forward to that. And thank you very much for your time uh, on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for asking me to come. It has been a pleasure and a real privilege. It's, it's a great, great uh, webcast. Anything Braille related like this, I find very important and very interesting. So thanks for letting me participate. Ron Miller, blindness hardware product specialist with Vispero. And we've done some checking in the documentation and indeed the format of the micro SD card used in the fifth generation focus displays is FAT32. In terms of pricing, you can purchase all of the focus displays and the L Braille in the UK from Sight and Sound Technology Limited, and the prices are as follows, all excluding VAT. They've just gone up, so please don't be alarmed. The Focus 14 is the cheapest. It retails for £1,275. The Focus 40 is now retailing at £2,950. The Focus 80 at £7,850. And the L Braille 40, this is just the docking station, so you have to buy the Braille display and jaws separately. The L Braille 40 retails for £1,535 with an Intel M3 processor or £1,825 with an Intel i5 processor. Those are the only two configurations that are currently available. All of those prices and links to other things that we've talked about, including the webinars and the Focus 5th generation firmware download page can be found in the show notes. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Braillecast, the official podcast of the Braillists Foundation. You can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to Braillecast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice or listening to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Brailists everywhere on your smart speaker. You can also find past episodes on our website at brailcast.com. If you have comments on the podcast or suggestions of topics or guests for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at brailists.org. You can also find the Brailists on Twitter at Brailists or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Foundation. Finally, if you like what you've heard, spread the word. New listeners are always welcome. So if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at the Braillists, thanks for listening and bye for now. The costs of producing this episode were defrayed by a grant from the Activate Fund of the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information, visit wcmt.org.uk.